Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, one of America's most inspirational and down-to-earth executives, Scribe Media's Javon McCormick, joins Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson. McCormick is an open book, revealing his past and why he and his tribe are thriving during the Great Resignation. Thanks for joining us, Javon. Glad you're on the Texas Business Minds podcast. Well, how are you, sir? I appreciate you having me. Pretty good. Can't complain. It's sunny, actually, today in Austin. How about yourself? Man, I will tell you what my mom always said to me when you said can't complain, and nobody cared if you did. So, so <laughs> but for me, man, I'm, I'm, I am always excellent. If you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the ground, it, it's got to be an excellent day. Well, with that under our belt, let's jump into what you do day to day. You're the CEO of Scribe Media, an Austin-based company. You guys publish books and you take authors write, and sometimes you you help them and guide them and teach them how to write. Sometimes you kind of write their thoughts for them. Tell me about about Scribe Media. So yeah, high level, what we do is we help authors write, publish, and market their books. Many people have a great idea, just don't know how to formulate that idea, get it down on paper. So we take them through an interview process where we capture all of their words, their voice, their tone, and we transfer that into a a book. Some authors come to us and they already have their manuscript, so they just need us to take them through the publishing process. And so we, we go that route as well. What we've transformed into over the last couple of years is now really, you know, Scribe was the book company, but now we've really transformed to the media side of this where now we're working with people on their whole personal brand. So it's not just the book, it's their social media, it's their speaking, it's YouTube, it's their podcast. Now we're doing their entire ecosystem for them and being able to manage that. And the book is just one piece of that puzzle. Javon, you're ruining my gotcha question. I was going to ask you, how can you you just be a book company in the year 2022? Um, You're already alluding to some of that, you know, having to think forward about changing shifts in media and consumption. Uh, We'll get there in just a second, though. One of the things I want to hit on with Scribe is, I mean, you guys have been growing. You guys have been adding people and uh, growing your top line revenue at a time when, well, uh, it's a tough time for a lot of people. And the pandemic has ravaged a lot of sectors of the economy, but um, your company seems to be stronger in the past two years. For sure. We actually, just just last year, 2021, we grew 61% year over year. So our top line is extremely strong, but equally as important as our bottom line is strong. You know, where I don't just do a top line, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep, how much drops to the bottom line. So for us, we've continued to, to grow. We've continued to hire. We're over 100 people now. We just signed on to expand our office space, another 13,000 square feet. So we'll have about 25,000 square feet in total, where, again, to your point, many people are consolidating office space. We're actually expanding. So growth has been great for us, but it's also been a how do we continue to add on services that when people are coming to us to, to do their book, how can we continue to work with them for years to come? Okay, well, that's the seg I was waiting for. So you alluded to it, and I was, uh, you know, kind of jokingly saying, you know, books, how is that going to work? And I love books, don't get me wrong, but 
yeah, you must be looking ahead to think about not only how can we get someone's words out on paper, but how else can you, you know, get uh, thought leadership out and influence people? And you talked about social media. And so are you like an agent for these people now? You know, I wouldn't call it necessarily an agent, but, uh, you know, it's if you want to call it a bit of an agency model, I guess we could go down that that path. But, yeah, it's so many of our authors. What we noticed is they came to us and they, they did, did their book, but then they went elsewhere to do maybe PR, to do their podcast. So we started looking at this and realized, OK, why are people coming to us? They're not coming to us just to write a book. Some are about two percent of our authors. They do their memoir with us. But the great majority of our authors come to us for what can the book do for them? Lead generation, credibility, uh, thought leadership. So, you know, we've, we've got authors who did their book with us, and that book has led to $5 million in growth for them for their company. But with that book, which is the hardest part of this whole piece, is what do you do with the book afterwards? the marketing of the book, the PR of the book. And like I said, so now we're doing podcasts for our authors. Now we're doing the the PR, the management of the social media, the the YouTube channels, anything and everything. We're running that whole ecosystem for our authors. You guys have worked with authors like, I'm going off the websites, tell me if I'm wrong, but like Geekdom CEO, Lorenzo Gomez. My man, Lorenzo, yes, sir. David Goggins, the former Navy SEAL and endurance athlete, right? Yes, sir. So some high profile authors and also a lot of business people. And you, you touched on something just interesting a moment ago. Books are very personal. You pour your, your heart into them. You really bear your soul, but they're also like a business tool, right? Yeah. They establish you as a kind of an expert or at least, you know, a, someone who's written the book on it. People are using it as a, as a tool for their business as well as a place to kind of, yeah, pour their heart out. So I'll give you a quick example. One of our wealth advisors who came to us to do a book. He wanted to do his book 100% for lead generation. So I'll give you the example. I'm going to steal this from him. I told him I always will use this example. When he would wrap up with potential prospects or clients that he was already working with, he'd always give them two of his business cards and say, hey, if you know anybody, can you refer them over to me? He said he knew by the time they left his office, they probably threw his business cards in the trash can. But then he started giving them two copies of his book. And he said, hey, if you know anyone, please give them a copy of my book. He said his business took off. And the reason being is now the people who have his book are incentivized because they look good. Hey, look, my wealth advisor wrote the book on financial investing, retirement. So now it makes them look good that they're working with someone who wrote the book on it. And like he said, his business skyrocketed after he started giving people two copies of his book. So give you a little more insight. We just published our 1000th book last week. Thank you, sir. Congrats, last week. Yeah, last week. So so we just published our 1000th book, but we went through and we've got a pretty big number of authors who have never sold 100 copies of their book. But each one of those have landed six and seven figure contracts. So for them, the book was a success. That's what they came for. They didn't come for book sales. They came to use their book for lead generation and credibility. So it just depends on what is the purpose of someone wanting to do their book with us. And we dive into that at the very beginning before we even start. Let's define success and it can't be book sales. 
And, and that's that's the number. Book sales are just a nice to have, but let's define success. That's exactly what I was getting at, because not everybody obviously is coming to you to write a New York Times bestseller. Right. Are the ones that do. Great. But but yeah, it's, it's there's different people coming with different goals. Uh, might be based on their industry, their career. So that, yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. It sounds like y'all uh, do a wide gamut of that kind of stuff too. What what are some of the more interesting um, books that you've published? Wow, gosh, we've done books anywhere from the, the game-changing uh, attorneys, so books on law. We've done books on financial planning. We've done books on plantar fasciitis, <laughs> um, dental books. So, I mean, it runs the course, memoirs. You know, a couple of my favorites, we had the opportunity to work with the first black woman in America to own a billion dollar company. Most people think it's Oprah and it's not. It's Janice Bryan Howroyd. So that was a real honor for us to be able to do her book. We've worked with the former uh, CEO of Chipotle. We worked on, on his book. We've worked with Nassim Taleb uh, that did Black Swan. So it's Really interesting, the people you you get to work with, the people you get to interact with. And I'd say it's probably the most fun part of of having so many different authors that we work with. But yeah, we we run from, like I said, from plantar fasciitis to to wealth advisor. We we, we do it all. Now, how do you convince someone to pour their life story into you and to trust you to, to do that? One of the big things we tell people right off the bat is if you aren't willing to put the hard details into the book, don't write the book. If you're not going to go all in on the book, you know, don't write the book. And I'll even share that from, from my personal experience. It's how I even got to the company. When I did my book, I never wanted my book to be public. I did. My book was being done for my children. I wanted five copies of it. So it could be a, a memoir and a legacy piece. So it could be passed down in, in our family, given, given my background. So I had to put some hard things in that book. And but I had to be willing to put those hard things in the book. And that's really what we tell people is, hey, you got to put everything in the book or don't do the book. You brought it up and I assume you're talking about your book. I got there. Right. Correct. So, I mean, in it, you wrote really powerfully about growing up, you know, with a single mom, um, dealing with adversity, horrible racism. And then what, you know. ABJ's 2021 Best CEO Awards, a panel awarded you with one of the best CEOs in Austin. And you came up on stage and kind of flipped everybody's hats off when you talked about what you kind of dealt with day to day in in your rise to becoming a CEO of of an Austin company. Do you mind sharing some of that? Yeah, I mean, my background, my dad's black, my mom's white. Uh, My dad was a pimp and drug dealer in the 70s. My dad fathered 23 children. I'm one of 23. I was in and out of the juvenile prison uh, three different times as a kid. My mom was an orphan. She grew up in a 1950s institutional orphanage. We don't know where our last name comes from. McCormick, I was going to say, McCormick was given yeah. to the orphanage, is that right? Yeah. Exactly. My mom got that name in the orphanage. We have no clue where, why, how. And so I, I had this last name. I've got a GED. I never graduated high school, never went to college. Uh, so for me, yeah, I got a fractured background. I was sexually molested from the ages of six, seven, eight years old by one of my dad's prostitutes. But how that transferred over to business world is really understanding uh, how to organize chaos. I come from a very chaotic background, obviously. And so business, and for me, some in, in many ways became therapeutic because it's very structured, it's routine, it's disciplined, it's consistency. 
uh, it's seen around corners, it's decision-making. And so that became very therapeutic for me because those were all the things that I did not have as a child. But the key, more importantly above all, is putting people first. And if you have great people, you can build great process, make great profits. And with those great profits, you can do great things for the community that you, you live and work in. So the whole, our whole company, the whole value stream of our company, our culture, our values, it's all predicated on putting people first. It's not something we just say. It's not something that's painted on the wall. I don't give a damn about ping pong tables. It's truly putting people first. If, if you don't put people first, nothing else matters. Yeah. Also in this Best CEO Awards, I remember your answer about, you know, people first and profits. So what does that look like in practice to you? Again, always putting people first, doing right by people. When we make those decisions in business that we all do, how do we make those decisions around people first? Not business first, but people first. Because I truly believe this. I've been challenged so many times. People say, no, you got to have process first before you put the people in the process. And, and I'll push back and I'll say, okay, who's building the process first? And they're like, well, people. I go, well, then shouldn't you have great people to build the process? And so it's truly people first, people process profits. And with those great profits, capitalism is not a negative. Profitability is not a negative. It's what is or is not being done with the profits. In my mind, awesome. Be as profitable as you can possibly be, but make sure with those profits, you're giving back to the communities. You're giving back to the places that you live and you work. And more importantly, you're giving back to the people who actually executed to deliver those profits. In our next segment, Scribe Media CEO Javon McCormick shares what he offers his team twice a year. When Texas Business Minds continues. At Texas Mutual Insurance Company, we celebrate the workers who keep your business growing strong. They're a vital part of our community, and we're proud to be on the job with 1.5 million of them every day. More at TexasMutual.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation as Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson welcomes Scribe Media CEO Javon McCormick. I think my business included Austin Business Journal and American City Business Journal. We always say that our, our really our biggest IP, our biggest asset is our people. And especially during a, yeah, during a time of the great resignation where there's certainly other job opportunities, we need to fight like hell to hold on to our greatest asset. So I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, in good times and bad, but especially now when there are other options out there. And also, I mean, look at, I mean, every, everyone's coming here. You go work, work wherever you want. Why wouldn't you want to go work at Tesla, right? We bring up a great point. So twice a year, here's, here's an exercise we run as a company. Twice a year in our state of the company meetings, I will offer to the entire tribe, we call ourselves a tribe, and we're, we're over 100 people now. And so I did this back in, in, on December 15th. I said, okay, if anyone is not fulfilled in their career with Scribe. If you're not happy, please let me know and we will uh, pay you four weeks severance. And, you know, we'll part ways, all the best to you. Not only did we do offer that like we do every year, but we also paid out our company bonus on December 15th. And as a company, we're closed from December 23rd until January 3rd uh, each year. The office is completely closed. Everyone's paid during, during that time period. So you could have got four weeks severance. 
you could have got paid to be off during the holidays and you could have got your bonus. bonus. And I said, if anybody wants to resign, let me know by 6 p.m. today. This to me told me everything about the great resignation in our culture. Not one person took us up on the offer. No? Okay. So I'll just say this. The great resignation does not live at Scribe Media. <laughs> yeah, well, from my reading, and I'm no expert, but um, but it's, it's really exposed some of the underlying issues where if you weren't happy, it's a great, it's, you know, if you weren't happy with the company, it's exposing a lot of weaknesses about companies that maybe did not invest enough in their people during, I guess you'd say the, the boom times, or, or it depends what perspective you're coming from. But now here we are, you mentioned you're over a hundred people, you're expanding your, your real estate. Uh, and so how much square feet would you be in roughly once you, once you expand? 25,000 square feet. Okay. And you said you're in the office? Right now with where, where the virus is. So it's interesting. We all know March of 2020, when we all did shelter in place and then the world, you know, the country shut down. Uh, we, we shut down as well. We, we completely shut it down. We told people, hey, and we shut it down long before the, the, the president made any announcement, any government or whatever. He was like, okay, what do we do for the people that we serve and support? So we expressed to everyone, come into the office, take anything you need to make yourself a nice, comfortable office environment at your house, because none of us know how long this was going to go. So that was first. Then, as we got into March of 2020, we started hearing that people's spouses, partners, significant others were being laid off, family members were being laid off. So I knew many of our tribe members had to have been sitting back going, oh my God, are are we going to get laid off? What's going to happen to us? So we made the announcement, made a company announcement. We said, look, zero people will be laid off during the virus disruption. And it was a bold statement because you still had a lot of great unknowns of what would happen during the the virus. And we took a massive uh, revenue hit as with everybody in March, but then April came back and we had, we had a record month in April, record month in May, record month in June, so on and so forth. And so it it actually worked out very well for, for us. uh, And we were were positioned to, to do so. Many people think, Oh, well, it makes sense you know, because of the virus, books were very popular. Uh, It wasn't just books. It was the name we had built in the marketplace. It was the marketing that we had been doing along the way uh, because we hit our revenue goal that we had set long before we knew of a virus disruption. But to your point, what what have we done uh, is along the way, we always put people first. We, We have an emergency fund in place for people that if for whatever reason, uh, you get a flat tire and you don't have the money for your flat tire. We put a $1,500 emergency fund in place where people can borrow $1,500, zero questions asked, and you pay it back over, over time in, in monthly payments. Why that's important is because if you look in America, I read a stat, 45% of Americans don't have a spare $400 cash in case an emergency comes up. That's just a stress that I don't feel that our tribe members should have to live with given the position of our company and, and how we're doing. So we put the emergency fund in place. We, we pay 100% for medical and dental. Those are just things that we do to, to put people first. We provide uh, one day a quarter paid 
for you all to give back to the community in that that we live in. Yep. Whatever you want to do, you know, we don't we don't get together and say, okay, we're going to do Habitat for Humanity and we're going to check that box. And, and but if they want to do Habitat for Humanity, great. But yep. you have one day a month paid to give back to the community in any way you see fit. Okay, uh, these are some great examples of what I was wondering about about how do you put people first in kind of a day to day management situation. Can you tell me, I think I've heard you speak about this before, like what do you think is the role of transparency in leadership? For us, it's a little bit different. And many people are are shocked when I tell them. So for us, every month we post our income statement. It's there for the whole company to see. Financials, everybody can see. How much did we make this month? How much came into the bank? How much did we spend? How much was payroll? How much were the the cashews in in the break room? Equally as important though is, all of our salaries are transparent. Everyone knows what I make. Everyone knows what everyone else makes. It eliminates water cooler talk. No one's walking around wondering, oh my God, I wonder what Will makes. I wonder what Javon makes. No, you you know what I mean. Go look at it. And, And so the focus becomes, okay, how do we continue to grow and thrive as an organization? How do we, again, put people first? When you take out all of the secrets and who's being paid what, we are able to focus on the work that we do and serving our authors that we work with. That's fascinating. Open payroll. I mean, you think about it, you can look up state payroll, right? What uh, yeah. the different state officials and, and uh, my, my parents have, you know, worked uh, for state and local government levels and those pay levels are, are public info. It's kind of an interesting take to um, think about it on the private side, but a similar kind of commitment to transparency. That's very interesting. Think about this for a second, Will. Even you, you see this in career descriptions. So, so here's another example of, of putting people first. We don't call them job descriptions. We call them career descriptions. If you want a job, go over there. If you want a career, come here. But in our career descriptions, so many career descriptions you'll see, it'll say competitive pay. Well, if it's so competitive, tell us what it is. And so on our career descriptions, we tell you what the salary is. So there's no, and we don't put these outrageous ranges on there, you know, oh, uh, competitive pay, 60 to 90,000. Well, no, what is the role paying? We put that out there. There's the career description. There's the salary. If you're interested, please apply. I've heard critiques of those kind of opaque practices, right? Because if you come in from a less pedigreed background, you might be expecting uh, less money, even though you might perform the same exact task or have the same exact responsibility level. So, um, I applaud you for kind of doing away with that uh, from the get-go. Again, to your point of transparency, here's what the role pays. So I got to finish up by asking, what are you reading now? Oh, what am I? I'm actually going back through one of my favorite books, uh, Cyrus the Great. I'm a big fan of his leadership, his practices, how he did things from the the Babylonians to the Jews. He was very much loved and appreciated it's one of my favorite books. So I'm actually going back through that, that book uh, right now. It's, it's interesting you asked me. I just, I remember I started it back again last week. So a uh, uh, history buff. You no, know. not really. I'm a, I'm a really, a, uh, well, I'm a student of business. I love all things business. I love, if you told me what, what sounds like an amazing weekend, other than spending it with my wife and children, it would be put me in a room, let me listen to audiobooks and study companies. Let me study 
the model of Tesla. Let me study Disney. Let me study Apple. I'm a student of business, leadership, CEOs, how decisions are made, why decisions are made. Uh, but I, I love all things business. Well, let me actually finish on this then. As a student of business and kind of a transformative moment for business in Austin, uh, what's your read on the city? The opportunities here, the um, the, the amazing growth. Are, are you excited to have Scribe based here in Austin? Very much. I mean, we've been here, we're seven years old now. Uh, you know, so I, I make the, the joke, I, I moved here in 2008. So I make the joke that I moved here before all the tall buildings. Um, and, and so... Uh, and, there was and, the Frostbank Tower, I think. Right? Yeah, the Frostbank Tower was the tallest building when I got here. And, and, but, you know, with growth, you, you come with all the pains uh, of growth as well, all the, the other side, if you will. But but overall, you know, everyone can talk about, yeah, it's it's making traffic horrible. Okay. Uh, it, it's raising uh, the, the cost of living, housing. Okay, yes, those are things, but it's also creating opportunities for for other people as well. So I'm not a glass half empty guy. I'm a glass is is on its way to be full guy. So I look at Austin, still a phenomenal place, still a great place to to raise a family. Very happy we're we're here as a company. We always will be. We're on the uh, east side of, of Austin. I laugh because people used to call this the bad side of town. And, and it's it's funny to see how thriving the east side of Austin is right now. So yeah, I, I love Austin. Yeah, it's a great city to be in, great city to report on. I really appreciate you being here today and talking to me about your career, your life, and Scribe Media. Thank you, John. Well, I appreciate it, sir. Thanks again to Scribe Media CEO, Javon McCormick, for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.